Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Pass the Barb. Today is November 7th. I'm your host, Adam Bartusek, and the most exciting news going on in the world today is, uh, Cody, the Packers are dead. We're going to go to that right away. Yeah, we? We ha- yeah, I think we have to. The Packers are dead. And I, I'm a Minnesota sports fan, and I've been waiting 24 years, I think, to say that. Packers are dead, and I will you stand know, by that statement. So, Cody, please take the mic. How do you feel it, right now about your Packers? You know, it's it's really nice. I'm I'm happy for you. I really am happy for you that this one time, it seems like it's lining up for the Vikings, and this one time at the same moment, the Packers are doing what the Vikings normally do, and I am happy for you. However, it is a weird position for all Packers fans to be in. We are at a loss. We do not know what's going on. And it is just, I am like the most diehard Packer fan there is. I'm super optimistic about all play levels, but it is currently very hard to watch a game. So It's I, almost like, impossible. And out of curiosity, like I just want to know what it's like in your world right now. Is it? Is it Aaron Rodgers' fault? Is it Matt Lafleur's fault? Is it the team's fault? Where, where are we at right here? I would, I just kind of want to see. Where yeah, who's kinda, to blame? I, I think we're at a lot of a limbo right now, where we don't really know what the f- hell is going on. We have no idea what this is, is going PG-13. on. This is PG thirteen. You can swear if you need to. I will sooner or later, but. We really have no we, we really have no idea what's going on. Like um I think all the frustration ensued and I think Aaron had a bad game like he had a horrible game, probably the worst game of his career uh, yesterday. And I think a lot of things came down to that. A lot of frustration, sure. Like people called the man a bad leader you can hype it up to whatever it wants to be. He's not a bad leader. Trust me. But it's just a lot of, a lot of errors, a lot of simple errors. And I think it comes down to maybe it's a little bit of a coaching thing. Maybe it's, it's a lot of a, a team thing on the offensive side of the board. Um, And honestly, I think it comes down to, really schematically just not having the best coaching scheme out of the Shanahan era. Like maybe we got number four out of the Shanahan era where we needed like number three or number two, like a Sean McVay. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. Well, I don't know. And it, yeah. it's just really weird. It's, it's week to week. I, it's just not good. We're here with you. We've been here before a lot. So I, I just want to make sure you're okay over there. I know it's depressing. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. I'm I there's nothing I good t- about what's happening there. I, I was I was None in the stand good. I was in the stand today and I took my my safety rope and I rolled it around my neck <laughs> and I tried to jump off. Unfortunately, it was one of the new safety ropes, so it like gently let me down. <laughs> it's kind Too of much elastic. Yeah, yeah, it sucked. Mm-hmm. Sucked. But uh, Will, you Minnesota, eh? Will, you are still a Minnesota Vikings fan from your, and you're still probably watching sports quite a bit, if I imagine. But 
from your eyes, what are we seeing happen over in Packerland? Well, a complete collapse for one. And here's the thing <laughs> is I went to college in Wisconsin and all of my buddies from college for the most part are from Wisconsin. And it was just so the last whatever amount of years are so insufferable because Packers fans are like the most. Oh, hey, hey, yeah, now is our moment. Now is our moment. Shh. That's oh, how old I am. Oh, but you're they are all the in most, already, huh? Oh, call in the, the moment, oh. huh? I wouldn't a say moment. that, but I'm not the saying our moment. I'm just saying we're finally seeing fan group. There is. I was at the bar. Okay. I was at the bar on okay. Sunday. On Sunday okay. in not in Wisconsin. I was in Montana, and there was actually a lot of Packers fans there. They're so loud, and I, I get it. You know, passionate about the team, but just and always are like that and it's fun when they're winning for sure but now i don't know what the next step is you know for you guys yeah and i i'm just gonna chime in real quick and just i think the thing is and don't get me wrong i i enjoy watching the vikings we're gonna dive into it i i'm not a hundred percent sure where i stand but like i'm all in on them but i don't know if that means i'm all in for like we're gonna make a super bowl or what but i'm in on i'm gonna enjoy the ride but with watching what's so – I don't know if I want to say great, but what's been interesting about watching the Packers this year is it is the complete and utter demise of, like, a dynasty of watching a team with two of the best quarterbacks of all time just win for, like, 20-plus years, and now we get to see them lose. And, I like, that Lions game was a lot of Rodgers' fault. Like it oh, was really un- bad. Un- undoubtedly, undoubtedly, like there is there is two. I mean, two of the picks that he had. But to be to be honest, like he literally had ninety nine percent of his year, like his career, he had all of his picks in this game. Like that's his average for a year. It just, uh-huh. I think there's yeah. a there's a ton of frustration with him and how things are working right now and there's a ton of frustration because he is and i'm i'm gonna stand by this point until like the ship go real deep aaron is at the top of the top of his game he's an extremely intelligent individual if shit is not right if shit is not happening how he wants it to be and people are not performing to an nfl level where they can't catch a freaking ball, even if it's like a touch underthrown, or they can't remember a route because they're too dumb to remember the schematic of their job. That's bullshit. I would be pissed as well. So I'm like people I, are blaming like quarterback route, like quarterback play. Like, dude, he knows the offense in and out. I am not. I'm not putting this all on his shoulders. I'm putting right. it on a lot of inexperience. Well, that's that's. I wanted to know where where Packerland stands. I'm. We're gonna move on to our next current event and everything going on. The one take I will stand on, and Cody and I have texted about it. I think Aaron Rodgers has been in a regression for the past twelve months, you, and I think you, we're just finally really seeing it now. And do you think, I just think it's because hard. of? I you think, think it's, it's because to... of all the psychedelic drugs he did in the offseason? Do you think that I don't has know if that necessarily helps, to be honest. I think, kids, you should definitely 
maybe avoid Hiawuska, Hi- whatever it's called, Hiawuska? Ayahuasca. Oh. Ayahuasca, there we go. Yeah. That's, that's nothing to do with it. He's a I, he's back-to-back MVPs. I'm not like, saying. I think he's one of the best quarterbacks of all time. He's clearly not the MVP this year. So you, you got you guys are ridiculous. You guys are absolutely ridiculous. Devontae, is that why he's so bad now? I mean, what's the cause? But we'll keep going. We will we will move on. But I no, what I was gonna finish saying was I think he's I very think good. I, I, I doubt that. I think he's one of the most talented to ever play. I'm just saying I think it's hard to blame your coach when your coach has also led you to what the number one and two seed the last two years and two MVPs. But your coach that, also fell into into the best like you know situation ever. Oh yeah, ever. Did, absolutely. Um, but okay. Anyways, moving on from the Packers, how that's going. Um, we will move on to Ryan. You had it. We'll just kind of go around in a circle twice because I know we had a couple different things from each people. But Ryan, what uh, what did you have going on timely that you wanted to talk about in the outdoors world or just the world today? Well, I mean, honestly, the biggest thing is just we just lost we Ryan. Lost you. We just lost Ryan. Ryan, we'll be back momentarily. Will, Sir William the Fourth, if you are watching on YouTube, Will's changed his name every single one of these podcasts. Will, what do you have what, going on in the oh, world today? Talk about my. Uh, well, I'll, I guess I'll talk about the Powerball to start, since that draws tonight. It's at one point nine billion dollars. So, after lump sum, what does that come out to? About like 900 million does that sound right 800 yeah. million yeah somewhere in there yeah. yeah did you guys buy t- did you guys buy tickets no i feel like i you know i might lose negative if i, I don't think i i don't think i've ever fallen for the power powerball buying the ticket i don't even know if it's falling for it either because you could win life-changing money but i don't mm-hmm. think maybe I, once or twice yeah. back in high school i only i only buy it when it gets to be like this big i guess but I don't know. I mean, there's a obviously the chances are very slim. Now, if if you want, like Cody, let's say like just for the sake of it, like I think about this, what would be the first thing you do? Like not talking like when you get the money, but when you like read your ticket and you're like, I I just won. Like what would be like, what would you do? Honestly, I don't think I would tell anybody, but there's a couple like land options that that I have in mind that that would be like the first like parcel that I would buy. Okay. Yeah. So that's like my first, like, you know, 10 sure. million, 10 to 60 million, depending on how much I want to buy. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, like we put it in some sort of name that is not my own. A trust. And then a trust. And mm-hmm. then maybe I live out of this shitty apartment. I don't need a big house. So that's the thing I was thinking. Yeah. So I thought about that too. So, and I don't know, I don't know in Montana or Wisconsin, you know, there's some States where you can't be anonymous. So you. Oh man. Did we I lose? Know, yeah. We lost. Did we lose well oh, on Wi-Fi too. Yeah, and then Holy you were cow. gone for a second. Okay. I so just, I, I just walked away oh, for here. a sec. Will we kind of have back? I don't know if we and, can hear you or not. Can you hear me? Yes. Yeah, now we can, can kind of hear you. Yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah, you're good. Okay. Sorry. Did you guys hear when I was talking about the anonymous winner thing? Did that come That's through? That's right where you cut out. Sure. So I agree. I would like to remain anonymous, but what if you can't? You know, like what if the state 
you have to come forward and people know like who's going to come out of the woodwork oh there's going to be like the entire you know your graduation class yes of of friends are going to be coming out yes and getting you that's when i mean you got to move to alaska you got to hide out for a, a good, I think, a while anyways. I think and like let things a full down. year and a half to two years. I think that's where you buy like land or a cabin or wh- whatever you really wanted, like in an area you've wanted to move to. So like the, even if it's like you're in the Twin Cities right now, say it's like I'm then like, OK, I'm going to buy a big half a lake up in northern Minnesota. I can just go up there and kind of disappear. Yeah. People yeah. up there I will won't say, really know what I am. Yeah. But yeah. I will say if I wanted, though, I would have like one for sure one week of like kind of flexing with the boys you know what i mean like get your really good buddies together and like we're going to cabo it's all on my no there's there's one week where you put like a i don't even know how many million dollar budget into it you just go guys we're gonna go be really stupid (laughs) like you buy i feel like you've got to do that yeah yeah you you have that i feel like it's one of those points It, it it sounds so like uh so like a hip hop song, but you're like, like plumping the pockets of like the, the people closest to you, like your, yes. your buddies, like we good. Right. We like good you're good. You're not really like, you can come work for me now. Yeah. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? You're like, Hey, like, would yeah. you like a job? <laughs> yeah. Like, like, are you, yeah. Just make a mixtape. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah, do you, you want to set up two would be to start your foundation? <laughs> so you hire them in your foundation and then you just pay them whatever. Right. And know. I'm giving back to the community, you know. Exactly. When I pull up, yeah. when I go back to Brainerd and I'm in a Rolls-Royce Phantom, you know, and I have a driver. Yeah. I just want to show <laughs> people, you know, like, really. Exactly. Like, I'm just a kid from Brainerd, you know what I mean? Yeah. Anybody when you pull can do up this. at Zorba's, you're just like, "Hey, it's just oh, me, dude. Will. I, I would absolutely clean house there, like a July Saturday <laughs> night. Can you imagine? Anybody would with that kind of money. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but we'll see. Maybe the next time we talk, I'll have won this whole deal, and I don't know. Maybe I'll get us a studio or something. Yeah, maybe the podcast will have funding. That would be exciting. Okay, now we have um, we have Pinkala back. We just moved on from the Powerball. Yeah, right. call I don't know what happened either. All of a sudden, you dropped out. Uh, but all right, what do you got going on in the world, Pinkala? So, uh, yeah, this past weekend, Minnesota deer opener. And uh, guy's been out there. My phone's been blowing up. Tons of deer going down. And uh, I love this time of year, just getting hit up. Everyone's knocking them down. Some big bucks I've been seeing on social media and everything. So it's pretty exciting. And then uh, Wisconsin's coming up, not this coming weekend, but the one after that. So, Hunter, I'm sure you're getting out there, eh? Yeah, I've been up. Uh, <laughs> I've been up at the hunting land bow hunting for the last four days now. That's what I've been doing. That's why you know we got to keep it rugged. I don't want to put face paint on, so we grow it out. We grow oh, the yeah. face paint it's out. Looking, looking lush. Thank you, thank you. But yeah, it's always a huge ordeal up here. Yeah, I feel like I feel like Minnesota, Minnesota, and Wisconsin are so different in that, like the uh like the culture is different around it mm-hmm. like it's definitely more like a tradition thing in wisconsin and people go way harder in the paint i feel like during the season yeah just as far as like deer camp and like that kind of thing yeah and one of the things with like deer camp that you know they 
they demolished like a few years ago is actually bringing the deer into like said gas station, right? Like the registration like station, the registration station. Yeah. That was such a big deal in oh, my huge. childhood yes. to go there Same. and see the deer. And I wish they would bring that back. Yeah. They just went I like electronic. It. Like you just, and, you and now it's like, it just completely just like killed the whole vibe of, you know, these small towns, like say we got hunting land up in Tomahawk, Wisconsin, you know, like, Tomahawk is not known for big deer or like right. bunches of <laughs> right. deer. But when you did see a big deer, you're like, oh, it's the talk of the town. Like, well, like that literally people are just sitting at the, the gas station drinking beers. Yeah. Wait, yeah. Wait, yeah. Wait, I've always been like <laughs> jealous too of Wisconsin's like the timing of their deer opener, you know, because Minnesota is like closed after by the time Wisconsin's opens. Mm -hmm. Although like Minnesota's kind of primo rut, but like I always thought it was cool. Like my buddies in school, like going home for Thanksgiving, like they take that whole week off and then they got yeah. to do Thanksgiving, yeah. but they were like ear hunting too, which I thought was like, man, well, that'd like, be sweet. Yeah. Awesome thing. Yeah, yeah. Connor. I mean, even like when we were going to point, like I remember having classes canceled for deer canceled. Like, like in college, like they were like, we're not having high, <laughs> high school was canceled. Yeah. Like our, I remember our, our hockey coach was not a hunter whatsoever, but the parents like, like, no, we are not having hockey games <laughs> during, during, during week, yeah. season. Well, and it's I like remember, it's over the holiday week too, which is awesome. Yeah. You know, it, it was, yeah. it was cause there's always two days. So like. There's the weekend, the opening weekend, and then you had Monday, Tuesday, and then Thanksgiving is Wednesday, or like you get off of Wednesday and Thanksgiving yeah. is Thursday. And most of the classes would just be like, we're not going to have class on Monday and Tuesday because <laughs> we know too many people are just going to skip anyways. So like, forget it. Yeah. yeah, no, I just, I love this whole time. Like pretty much the month of November is just fun as far as like the deer hunting aspect around like the Midwest, I guess. But yeah, I know there's a lot of other states that it's rolling too, but a lot of those states, it's a, like a longer deal. I mean, where I live mm -hmm. here, like we have a long season. It goes pretty much the whole month, but uh, like a lot of Western states, it's not just like a short little deal. Like there's kind of hunting going on for the past two months already. But, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but one other thing that kind of goes with that. So this uh i don't know if you guys heard of this this deer hunters roundup uh radio show <laughs> listen to one so okay i don't know how like widespread this is known about or whatever i know it's like a pretty uh long-standing show but it's uh what is it 98q country radio station for the whole deer season every day of the whole deer season they have a two-hour radio show <laughs> so i'll pull it up here the this they just released the schedule for it so it's you gotta listen to this if you have any interest in like outdoors anything you got it it is the most hysterical this is, this is so wisconsin deer hunting it's this so good so it's, wisconsin public land deer hunting it's not even funny so it's it's all these pretty much the gist of the show is all all these different deer camps cabins with like 10 20 guys they're all calling in to give their like update report of like how the day went and all this stuff and so it's it's november 19th through the 26th and it's 6 to 8 p.m every single day now i've been listening to this for the past couple of years and i will say the weekend days 
are unbelievable to listen to. <laughs> just, it's a, just a bunch of couple Miller lights and spotted cows drink. Oh my god, dude. It's so good. And like they, you know, they all got different names for their camps and stuff, and they're calling in to check in, and it's glorious. You if you <laughs> if you listen to one, you'll be addicted. And if you look it up, they have a website and they actually uh save all of the shows so you can like go back and listen to ones from like last year or whatever. So yes. even if you don't get a chance to listen to it, go back because it is and what is it, Ryan? You would, what think, is it? you would think it's staged. So it's it's 98Q Country out of Park okay. Falls, Wisconsin. And gotcha. uh, it's called the Deer Hunters Roundup. And it'll change your it life. It's, I, it's that good. Even if you don't hunt, it is it is some of the best comedy that you're going to get for free. Not Ryan, Ryan, I listened to, I just breezed through like two of them. Yes. And it was, it was so on par, like wisconsin deer camp it it's was everything you want it to hilarious. be hilarious it's so it hilarious it's a bunch of like deer driving boys like who literally don't hold a weapon all year long but now like we roll up in the morning and we're still kind of hung over and we might like shoot an air <laughs> shot <laughs> Yeah, like like an like an average co- and it's funny the guy the guy that's like the the host of the show you know he's he's just a good old boy but he's you know he, he'll rein it in a little too like somebody will get yes. out and they're real drunk and they don't yeah. even just cut him off right away he's like well no he, he oh, just lets oh, him go no, well we can't say that no okay <laughs> and then they'll have like a little kid on Right after that, like yeah. a ten-year-old kid who shot his first like deer or whatever. Well, that's and it the might thing. Be a like, spike. They have no idea who's calling in, and they just let him no. go. They so just let like, him go. So it'll be like one, you know, yeah, some kid will call in and and say, you know, you know, this is Tim. Oh shit! We lost Ryan but again. I'm gonna I'm gonna continue on. Go like, ahead, Hunter. The the show is just impeccable. Like they'll have they'll have a group of like. 25 guys like talking over a phone who it might be it might be nine o'clock in the morning it doesn't matter but they're all like this is this is the boys this is their their moment and they're all like on a radio station checking in it is hilarious and I absolutely could, hilarious i could imagine half the phone calls where it's a group of like six guys just waiting oh, yeah? deep. all you oh, just, yeah. all you just oh, all yeah. you hear is like 27 oh, different yeah. voices trying to get on it and it's time. literally it's literally just oh yeah oh yeah oh yeah yeah well yep. and like oh yeah i know oh yeah yep got her i will say <laughs> though it, like that's what you hear that like when they have Pink, you're gone again. But nope, audio's gone. Alrighty, so no, it is beautiful. If you need to listen for, to it for the the viewers watching right now, like if you it. want some serious Wisconsin background, listen to listen to that little clip at 98Q, the Hunters Podcast, or deer hunter whatever deer hunters roundup if you want a little intel on what our life has been like since now that is it yeah no that's a good one pink's played a few of them for me before and they're just hilarious like you said you don't even need to be a hunter they're they're just very funny gold um so more timely news of things going on so in the outdoor world i'm sure we all saw this because it went mega viral um there was a 10.15 pound smallmouth bass caught on erie 
uh, a little bit ago. Um, so Greg Gallagher caught it. It's the um, fifth biggest smallmouth ever caught that's been registered. Um, world records 1115 out of Dale Hollow. Second is Dale Hollow with a 1014. Tied for third is Dale Hollow and Wheeler Dam Tailwaters with a 108. And then it's this one. It was a 68 year old Ontario province record. And to my knowledge, that's the biggest one ever caught north of the Mason Dixon line. Um, so, yeah, that's like insane. It was so the measurements were it was 23 and three quarter inches long, girth 19 and three eighths. Oh my yeah it's literally like a barn door insane. yeah the picture is insane because like the mouth is like the size of a mouth of a four or five pound large mouth and what was the name uh, of the angler uh greg gallagher i believe if i pronounce that right but yeah i saw it i remember sending a screenshot to honor because i'm friends with i'm friends with or follow his kid on instagram or Facebook. I can't remember which side it was. I saw it on the story and he had it in the live and he said 1015. And I was like, what? And I just sent him a screenshot and it like it literally laid sideways in a live well and just filled up the whole thing. It so, looks like you could put your fist in its mouth. Yes. It and is it is so big. Unbelievable. Smallmouth are so deceiving. Like you're like, oh yeah, that's a nice smallmouth. I'm like I showed like my uncle and a couple mm -hmm. other people that that image who are casual fishermen. And I'm like, look at this fucking smallmouth. And they're like, oh yeah, that's a good one. I'm like, no, look at his hand. That yeah, and that's it, what you have to do is like good. zoom in on his hand. Look how tiny it looks. His hand looked like two fingers. I'm looking mm -hmm. at the yeah. picture right now, it's dude. Mouth. It looks like a grouper. Yeah, it's, it's so huge. It looks like it's a triple huge. tail, dude. That's what it looks like. Is this triple tail? You're right. Yes. 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 Isn't it like a big triple tail? <laughs> like a big one. But yeah, I just wanted to bring that up because we've been seeing this fall a ton of gigantic smallmouth being caught, um, kind of all over the country, to be honest, just North America in general. It seems like smallmouth are getting bigger and bigger. Um, whether it's stuff going on with the climate, whether you believe in that or not, we're not getting into it, but I mean, the smallmouth are getting bigger, and I don't know why. Gobies, bait, whatever it might be, but it's cool to see. Adam, where is Dale? Where is Dale Hollow? Hunter, you have you fished Dale Hollow? I've, I've actually Tennessee, never. I've it? never fished uh, Dale Hollow before, but is it is in Tennessee? But I've never it's, fished it before. It's down. Oh, I could be very wrong here. I'd have to look at a map quick, but I believe it's down. Um, there's two dams that come out of Fort Loudon or the Tennessee River where the um, classic's going to be by Knoxville. And I believe one of them flows down towards, like, obviously the TVA down to Pickwick, Kentucky, all that stuff, uh, Gunnersville. Uh, first one below it is Chickamauga, I think. But um, anyways, the other side, I think, goes over to Dale Hollow, and there's another one I'm not remembering. But I think that's where it comes from. I think they're kind of born from the same area. And once again, I could be very wrong. I'm not looking at a map right now. But uh, did, did they uh, did they bonk that uh, fish or did they release it? I don't know if it got released or not. I, yeah. I know they brought it in to get verified. Cody, Dude, did you figure out where it is? Uh, yeah, it's, uh, Northeast, Northeast Tennessee. Does it, it comes, does it come out of Fort Loudon Telco? Oh, shoot. well, anyways, but yeah, uh, whatever. Yeah, whatever. It's up in that region, up in Tennessee. And then, yeah. yeah. 
Very the, northeastern Tennessee. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just crazy big. So that's the biggest one by far north of the Mason-Dixon line that we've seen. You know, every Which, once in a while you might see a seven. You see sevens, maybe an eight. I mean, the Minnesota state record's eight flat. Yeah. Which is so, still a giant. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, that's not two pounds more is this one. Yeah. It's crazy. I mean, there, there's there been some things out in Sturgeon Bay that people have seen that they just see him like roaming a flat and they're like, nah, <laughs> no, nah. no. Nah. And I've, I've seen some of those fish where they just won't bite. And you wouldn't believe that they're actual bass until you actually see them like roll or flash. But, you know, like a fish gets as big as its fishbowl and like they have to exist in some of the most healthiest places. And there has to be oddities and like genetic freaks like that one. Like that's a perfect example of a genetic freak that someone caught. Did you get, did you find out about any like details about the story or anything? Like were these guys just like, there's a whole article posted on wired to fish and everything. Like they were out fishing for smallmouth, like they're smallmouth bass fishermen. They were out doing the whole deal. And I I mean, did they, were they aware of like that caliber of fish in that area or is they just kind of, I think they were saying they were going out for a seven pounder. Okay. Like they were, they were going for a really big one. You know, I mean, that's a really big smallmouth. So they were chasing a really big one. But when you catch one like three pounds, I don't, bigger I don't, than I don't think goal. you can necessarily plan for like a 10. A 10. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, like well, I remember looking impressive. when Hunter and I were filming Chasing Ghosts, like we had seen one old relic picture of one that was what, like 23 and a half, something like that. Yeah. And uh, I looked at him and I was like, is that a 10 pound smallmouth? And he was like, I don't know, maybe. And like, it's hard to even wrap your brain around that could even be a thing. So major shout out to those guys. Like that was insane. Um, Just makes all of us guys that want to chase a freak brown one. You keep going because they keep getting bigger. Um, Hmm. And I had two other things I wanted to touch on real quick. One thing really quick was um kind of we're not going to talk about golf on this podcast but i thought it's an interesting concept was so tiger and rory are playing versus jt so justin thomas and uh jordan spieth um december 10th for hurricane relief so it's a 12 hole under the light showdown on a course down in florida broadcasted on tnt that was sick and i just thought like i'm like dude that is such a sick concept and like like it's gonna be obviously just it's they're just going to show it for three or four hours. You're going to see all the behind the scenes and everything. And all I can think of is like, you know, in bass fishing or what, whatever the outdoor sport is, you have all these avenues for live streaming and cool, like one V one or two V two matchups. Like, why don't we see more of these? Cause they've started the, these like match things with, especially golf. They do it a lot in golf. And like every time I'm going to turn it on and watch because they're always the top guys at the game. Mm-hmm. And like it creates rivalries and, um, that's what we lack in fishing, to be honest. There's not rivalries or any hate, which mm-hmm. like, you know, hate's a strong word, but you gotta get a little blood boiling and get things going, you know. Vikings and I think Packers that's a good don't concept. like each other. So for like especially I mean, to be able to just like call you know, like these guys just can call each other out to just like compete. Like if we and, could if we could see that on the fishing side, I think that would be unbelievable. And <laughs> yeah, could you 
Could can you it, imagine, like, you know, Randy Blockett sees Wheeler win a fish on live scope, and he's like, "All right, me and my boy first, you and your boy, four hours live streamed." <laughs> yeah, live. Yeah, I mean, maybe not the best body, on Blockett, whatever but... body of water they pick. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that would be unreal, dude. Yeah, like if you grab two guys from the say, you know, MLF BPT right now, you grab Wheeler and Canal, and then they go against like BP and Seth or something like that. Like just oh head to head, gosh, straight up, that not would like be a field animal. Yeah, and I think it'd be, I'm and the smack I'm, talk would be so good. I oh. am so sick of the political correctness. Like, let's get some shit rolling here. Like, <laughs> let's stir that like, pot up. Let's good. stir the pot. Like. Like Tiger and Mickelson were constantly shit talking. Yeah. Constantly. Yeah. Like, can we get some like some animosity going? Can we get Plus, some? Plus, you know these guys, these guys are gamers. That would dude. be like, hilarious. They want to compete. They want to do the best. Like you, you're there, you're looking at like competitors, ultimate competitors. Can yes. we not get like that chatter going? Dude, the like, best social media down. clip of all time was that type of chatter, and it was when the MLF split happened, and Fighter posted the "I'm not fucking leaving" from uh, yeah. Wolf of <laughs> Wall Street. Yeah, yeah that, that was, was awesome. just mm. unbelievable because everyone was waiting, and he was the first one to deny an invite. And oh my god, it just <laughs> lit the world on fire. It was so good. I wish there was more of that, like in the mm-hmm. like competition and all that sort of stuff. It's good for the sport. I don't understand why guys don't do it. Well, I do. It's because people don't want to lose sponsors. But I think what we're starting to see in the outdoor world is a little more flexibility and understanding. Like people are human. We see it in other sports. Like guys can wear Nike shoes and still have rivalries with other people who wear Nike shoes. It's not a problem. Like it's a sport. And mm-hmm. the more we treat it like a sport, the more it'll move that way. So I just thought that concept was cool. I think it'd be so cool to see That'd it in fishing. I don't know yeah. how you'd necessarily do it in hunting, but uh, I think it'd be really cool if you could figure out a way. And then the last thing, I just wanted to get on record since we do talk about sports and football in here. I can feel myself falling into the trap of another Viking season and Super Bowl hopes. The Vikings are 7-1. and one. They are finding ways to win. The team feels different. People seem to like each other. I saw videos of Kirk wearing chains with his shirt off and I actually laughed and thought it was really cool. And like, it made me happy and smile. And I'm just really scared because the last time this happened, they had Keenum and we just, we had the Minneapolis miracle and then we just got curb stomped in Philadelphia. So I feel myself falling into this and I just want to get it on the record that I'm just going to enjoy the ride. I don't know where it's going to go and school. Oh boy. I know where it's going to (laughs) go. Yeah, I haven't I haven't completely bought into it yet because I'm I just don't know. I've been a big Kirk Cousins hater for a really long time, dude. And that's like the but hard part. Like know. it's like winning games now, so I I don't know. I don't want to like fall the in the fourth, trap. The fourth quarter statistics, like in the last two years, he leads the NFL in fourth quarter comebacks, and it's like it's gonna end up. I know it's gonna end up biting me. I know what's gonna happen. I, I, know. I know exactly what's gonna happen. So but how like, many how many losses strung together will it take before the entire fan base just gives up? Dude, like, if we turns on, right now, right now we, there's a lot of hope. And if then, we get but everyone's very hesitant right now. Like this Bills game, but, but, if, but we get, if we Vikings fans are get notoriously throttled, bad 
at turning on their team very oh they will and myself included if kirk cousins has a (laughs) one bad game they'll be pitchforks i mean it will the whole team well everybody big difference between like i think like green bay fans right and and minnesota fans is that green bay fans are ride or die and minnesota fans are like they're on the bandwagon until it starts going south and then they're not even they're not even watching anymore they don't even remember that's football season they're just like we're we're done I, do I think we have a lot of seasons that we have a lot of fans that are loud that don't necessarily like watch the sports a lot and or watch sports a lot and like get it. Um, yeah, I think like the big this, thing with go ahead, Adam. I was just going to say, it's just like, yes, people jump off the ship. It's just right now. Every t- everyone's really hesitant. And this is exactly what's going to happen with this Buffalo game coming up. He, here's what I'm going to say, like in the comparison ahead, well. between Vikings fans and Packers fans is that Packers fans are really used to being good. Like they know how to handle it and can, you know, sort of deal with the ebbs and flows, but they're always good. Vikings fans. Yeah. Vikings fans are not used to being good. So as soon as we are good, like we are right now, you kind of put all your hopes and dreams into the team. And then inevitably they're shattered. And inevitably we're not used to being crushed. Like yes. we are going to get our soul ripped out in a really it's, bad way. It's just, you expect it as a Minnesota fan of anything. So I think that's why Packers fans mm-hmm. can handle it better because they're like 25 years. They've been contenders almost year in and year out. And the Vikings obviously have not been. So yeah. Yeah. We'll so see what happens. Just, I don't want to jinx can, it. I know. Well, I can just easy, feel it happening. It's easy and I'm for excited us to like and it's know. Happy. Yeah. It's easier mm-hmm. for us to know when we're shit. And when we're good, like even right, when but, but we even, have like a bad we're start, not... we're like, oh no, we're fine. We're exactly like, yeah, like the beginning you, of the season. It, I'm like, come around, yeah. Oh no, we're we're not good, right? But even we when we're not, not good, even when we're not good, we're looking at it like we're still we're still watching the team and and being like involved. Yeah, yeah, yep. Oh, we lost you again, like, Pink. We're, but yeah, we'll be we'll be involved with the team, but usually, most of the time, like we might have like three games that we lose in a row or something. But at the same time, we're like, eh, we got enough of a connection going that we're still going to be number one in the NFC. Like, it's not that big of a deal. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, probably not this year, but most but, years. Yes. Well, yes, yeah, yes. most years. But well, yeah. I'm saying like this year, yeah. absolutely not. Like there's none yeah. of that feeling. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, terrible. I just wanted to get out there and say like I'm excited. The Buffalo Bills game's coming up. That is going to be a big – if we get That'll stomped by the Bills, game. you're going to see a lot of people like very, very angry in terms of Vikings fans. Um, I think in my mind, mm, if they just lost – and if we keep it like within a one possession game, go there, have a good game. I'll be happy. Whatever I think if they're kind of comes out to be, yeah, if the yeah, Vikings are because then you're like, okay, they can do it because the Bills are good and they just Very lost good. to the Jets. So God, they're gonna be mad. Mm-hmm. Um, but Jets are end, good though. They the are. Only good. other thing I wanted to say, and it's just kind of sad, and I just needed to bring this up to Will because I'm sure we both watched Adam Thielen throughout the years. You can you can tell he's lost a step, and it's just kind of sad. Yeah, it is. But he still, dude, he he still can. I mean, gets I out no, he's still dude. good. He's it's like just a, he's like a cob. He's like, he's, he's so like good. Cob. 
Yeah, he's so good, and he's fun to watch. It's just like I've never seen a man like the last few games. It looks like it's just he's trying so hard to gain that extra step, and he just doesn't have it. Like some balls off the fingertips that like he would typically get. Adam, and you're, you're like so just quick sad. to denounce a See, player. They're they're winning, and he's still like no, no, like he's still no. really good. You're just you're just watching him be like thirty something <laughs> yeah. now. Aaron, he's just yeah. losing his wheels. Aaron Rodgers, you're just setting so yourself I up. Aaron Rodgers, like, yes. yeah, Aaron Rodgers at thirty seven years old won the MVP, lost it. I still don't think he should have won those MVPs. I think it should have been Mahomes or Allen, but we're not. Oh, I think we got to move on from Packers. We spent a lot of time on this already, but yeah, but no, yeah. the Vikings, the Vikings, yeah, that's what we got going on we'll there. Check that and, in um, All right, yeah. Connor, did we I have got, anything yeah. else timely, or Will? Do, did you have any? Oh, Will, a... you had something cool. I know too. Yeah, Cody can go though. Okay. Oh, okay. Um, so I have a good. Uh, I want to play devil's advocate on on this little topic. I feel like that's kind of my niche in the foreboard here. Um, so the the Bassmaster Elite Series allows two people to get in that are veterans of the sport. Veterans meaning they could have won a Bassmaster Classic back in 1975. They could be barely living. Um but they want a Bassmaster Classic or an AOI, and they have to put in, like, uh, they don't announce what they have to put in, but they have to put in some sort of, like, you know, argument for them to get back into the Bassmaster Elite Series. And this year, uh, Larry Nixon is fishing the Bassmaster Elite Series, who I have a ton of respect for. He is an awesome human being. He's been nothing but awesome to me. And it is nothing against Larry Nixon, but I'm saying, where does a sport go where we are allowing people to join back into an elite series of anglers who are at their top of their game where other sports are not like, Obviously, a 70-year-old is not going to be playing NFL. A 70-year-old is not going to be playing, is not going to be driving a Formula One car. A 70-year-old is not going to be playing catcher and hitting in the major leagues. Like, I I think a good comparison to that would be like uh, golf. Adam, what is the tour they have for older people? Champions uh, tour? Yeah. Yeah, it actually is. Yes, it's the, the Champions Tour. Because whenever and, I search the Champions Tour on Google for Minnesota, it brings me to a golf page. So, so yeah. but that would be like maybe a bass needs something like that, where it's these older guys. Because like in the Champions Tour now, who's in that? Adam, do you know? Uh, well, I think so. Here's the thing: you can still play PGA and play in that tour, um, as long as you're like yeah, I'm able just talking to keep your tour. You're able to keep conceptually. I think that would be like VJ saying um, stuff like that, but you have to keep your tour card. And I think that's where Honor has a good point is they have these legend exceptions. Right. And I, Mm -hmm. with this said, I have nothing against David Fritz, Rick Klon, whatever they're legends. They change the game. They're some of the greatest ever. Rick Klon's probably the greatest ever to bass fish. Like it is not even debatable, but bass, for example, or MLF, whoever wants to do it, they're making all this 
uh, all these spots for the younger generation. Well, now it's too flooded and none of us have anywhere to make money. So maybe what we should do is you go to the top level and you're like, okay, well, if these old guys can't keep their tour card, you know, say example, you're an elite series card, but you guys still want to fish. Maybe there's some sort of elder tour that these guys are able to go to and fish. And maybe you can fish both if you're able to still keep your elite series qualification and do that. But you need to keep your qualification. Like, uh, I guess the legend exemption for me, Cody, maybe this you and I differ on this, but I think it's okay to use it once. Like, if you want to get back in, like, you earn that right. Yes, you can. Mm -hmm. But then, like, if you're in there two years and you lose your qualification, you lost your qualification. And I right. think that and, they should. Well, how often do that. they allow them to do it now? Larry Nixon can stay there as long as he wants. As long as he wants. Yeah. And that's so like with, with and they're not, uh, I should also say, sorry, Cody, but they're not yeah. taking any spots from any opens guys or anything. These are two different spots that they keep open for these legends right. from the way I understand it. Yeah. But it's still like, well, just if they didn't make it, kick them out and give the spot to the next guy in the overall at the open. Well, maybe, maybe exactly. this is a good opportunity for that. What you're talking about before. What if they could just call out somebody on tour and go head to head and take their spot? <laughs> that would I, be electric. I, <laughs> <laughs> David it, Fritz calls out whoever the, the first, why not? First blast person. You in catch is him. You catch like him. One still v one. It? Let's do it. For his series card. Oh my he, god. If, yeah, if he's still got it, he's still got it. You'd he's watch that. It. Um oh I would totally watch that. <laughs> but but yeah, like it, it just it just bugs me so much that it's so hard. It's so incredibly hard for people to get into it. And they make it then, so easy for but they the make it so easy, even though like you're at the retired age. Like you should be well gone, well gone and well off and set up in your career. They're like, this should not matter anymore. And I agree with you, Bart, like maybe one year, give them one year or a year and, and see how they do. If they don't, obviously if they're like a Fritz and they're down in the bottom, you know, three people for the last like five years, maybe, I don't know, maybe. Let's yeah. move. Well, on and I think out. it comes to maybe have a maybe start a retirement tour, an older tour type thing. Maybe it is only fifteen or twenty anglers, but you got them mic'd up the whole time. There's obviously an audience that's gonna watch it because they're you know legends and they're competing against each other. Maybe it's lower entries, lower payouts, but like it's a tour where they can still be competitive. Because the only yeah. reason they're doing it anymore is they're like competition junkies and they can't go back to going in the opens because then they're gonna lose a crazy amount of money compared to what they even are now. So it's just, yeah, I, I agree with you, Cody. It's a rock yeah, and a hard like, place with the legend exemption. Like how I look at the elite series, if they want to grow the sport, they have to make it, they have to make it super, super elite. If they want to, if they want to grow the sport to an exponential level, they have to cut the field like incredibly. And I'm sorry if you're not good enough, but you're just not good enough. And this is the show. These are the best of the best. Like maybe it's like 25 to 45 guys. These are the 45 guys that we're going with. This is the best show. The rest of you better luck next time you like try to qualify your way again. But 
when you're allowing people to just like randomly fluky show up because 45 years ago I won something <sighs> like that's 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 so wishy-washy it's not even a sport like you're just like making up rules on the spot like that's so it's not right it's not yeah. right I think, and there needs to be a happy medium with it because obviously, like, it's still fun to watch those guys. Like, one of the coolest tournaments I've yes. watched in the last five years was Clon winning on the St. John's. Like, oh, it was, it, it was it, so sick, unbelievable. And they have to figure something out, but I don't know. Right now, it just doesn't seem like they've figured that out. Um, no. But moving on, our last subject we're going to touch on, then we're going to move on to kind of what a lot of this show is going to be about. And we haven't been able to dive into it a lot, but it's kind of telling stories and recapping uh, really cool trips we go on. But I know Will has kind of a cool thing to talk about stuff going on in Bozeman. I looked into this when you brought it up in the group text, and this company looks super sick. Like, I am not a fly fisherman, and I would maybe want to try to book a trip with them. Yeah, so uh, I guess the the gist of it is, is there's this company called Yellow Dog Fly Fishing, and Adam, you looked at I don't know, did you guys look at it, the other two? Yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, are you aware of it? So, I mean, basically what Yellow Dog is, is they're like, the best way to describe it would be they're like a travel agency for destination fly fishing trips. So, like fly fishermen, like let's say you wanted to book a saltwater trip, you didn't really know a lot about like the locations. You could go on their website, you could see like there's obviously a ton of different places. Like you could keep it in the states, you could go to Louisiana and fish redfish, or like if you have a ton of money and want to go to like a premier saltwater destination, like the Seychelles, for instance, which is probably the number one saltwater fishing destination in the world. Uh, for fly fishing, then yellow dog will basically like help you book that trip, like figure out all the logistics, but they're based in Bozeman here, but they just bought uh, a local fly shop. So it's called fins and feathers. So now yellow dog has a retail location. It's still going to be a fly shop, but like they just nailed it, like from a business concept, because now when someone books a trip, like, let's say I'm going to, I'm, I'm super rich and I just won the Powerball <laughs> and I'm going, you won I'm the going Powerball. to the, yeah, I'm going the to the Powerball. <laughs> yeah, when this comes out, I will have won. And I want to go to the Seychelles. I want to go to Alphonse Island, which those trips cost like, like fifteen to twenty thousand dollars for a week, you know. And let's say I want to book that. Well, I got to get geared out, right? Like I need to get new rods, new reels, new fly line, like a bunch of flies. Well, now Yellow Dog, I booked through them. Then they're gonna set me up with a custom package of stuff I need to buy. And then I buy that through them again. And then I go off on my trip and I have like the best time ever. So I think it's really cool that they went from like sort of a travel agent to now that they're actually providing like goods to uh, as well as a service. You know, I think like, well, what a genius concept that is. So Are yeah, they they're uh, uh, like guides out of their fly shop then too. Well, did they say? Yeah, so I don't know what's going to how that's going to work because in the past Fins and Feathers they were an outfitter as well and I assume that Yellow Dog has taken over that outfitting license and they will continue to outfit and have guides out of there. I don't know for sure. Um but yeah, if you get a chance like just looking at their website is even if you don't fly fish like it's worth looking at cuz some of the destinations are like absolutely insane all over the world fishing for like every species imaginable and they have like dialed in these trips so well like if you are into fly fishing 
or and have a lot of coin and wanted to book like a premier trip, that's who you go with. Like they're the kind of the pioneers, I think, in that space. There's other companies that do it, but pretty Seems sweet. Like concept. It'd be a pretty sick place to just hang out too, like go in there and talk about trips and fishing and stuff. Yeah, for sure. Like I think uh they'll kind of bring some like new energy into that. That was a sweet fly shop before, but you know, it'll be some like renovations and updates. And I think it'll be really cool when it's, when it's done or they're open now, they've just repainted and like basically did the branding this weekend. It's done already. So yeah, I thought that was interesting and like kind of a, a local, local tidbit from here in Bozeman. So. No, that's super cool. I looked into it and I was like, God, that's sick. And like, I don't think anyone's really tapped into it that much in terms of all the other markets. I have heard of that with certain, um, hunting, there's some type of agencies or companies that do a similar type thing, but they'll set you up with maybe like different Rocky mountain areas. Um, they don't necessarily go international all over the place. So like, I think that's really cool. And like, that'd be something like, I don't know, it'd be sick to work with one of those companies, whether you're a content creator or whatever, like going, being able to go on those trips and tell those stories. Like, as you guys know, like me as a filmmaker and doing what I do, like, I, I just like filming stories. So catching the fish is cool and everything too. I absolutely love fishing, but it's those stories and trips are just unbelievable. And, um, that's kind of what we're going to dive into next. Actually, it's a really good segue. Well, um, but pink just got back from, let's see if I remember what state Co Starts Colorado with a C, you idiot. is it Colorado. Oh, great. His mic isn't working right when we started a segment too. <laughs> All right. So I'll, I'll, I'll continue yeah, on. I'll tell his story for you. Kind of talk again, pink. God. Nope, you're good now. now. No, you're now good it's now. now you're good now. Good. Just yeah. stop. Stop moving. Stop moving. Stop no, I'm, moving. I'm gonna keep moving. I'm moving. <laughs> okay. Well, Pinkala, anyways, was right. up in the mountains for a long time, and he's gonna tell us about his trip because this is kind of what this guy does. I'm sure his mic will cut out at some point, so we will tell yeah, you if, that it's cut it out, stopped, and we'll talk. If it stops, let me know, and I'll try to fix it. I don't know. I think maybe just the internet's working weird or whatever, but I think it's so, your yeah. Wi-Fi more than anything. But yeah, go ahead, Pink. Listen, yeah. So, uh, yeah, so I've just got back, um, literally yesterday or yeah. So, uh, I was out there for 10 days, um, had, uh, a bull elk tag for Colorado. Um, so you don't know too much about that. It's like, uh, they have separate seasons out there. This was the second rifle season. Um, so the area I was in is actually a general tag. So you could just buy, it, it wasn't like a one you had to draw. It was just a general over the counter rifle tag. Um, been going out there for like a number of years doing this trip. And like, I know, like we wanted to kind of talk about these trips as we were doing them just to kind of like give, I don't know, kind of like some of the different options or what's out there that people are doing. And, uh, this is a pretty cool one. Um, it's more of like kind of that adventure style hunt really. So, um, this was total like backcountry DIY, not like through a outfit or a guide or anything. Um, but yeah, so it was just me and my dad out there, uh, we drove out. And basically uh, so everything you do pink is <clears throat> DIY, right? Like you go do all yeah. your own stuff out there for the most part. Yeah. Yeah. I've never like done like an outfitter type setup or anything like that. Um, I don't know. That stuff's just like costs a lot of money, you know, and that's just not, uh, Oh yeah. DIY. Um, it's just not kind of, kind of our style. Like we just go out there and try to figure it out. And, you know, we've, we've made some good connections. We got a buddy that lives out there that just lives and breathes elk hunting too. So I kind of, you know, 
helps fuel the fire and and get you in some good areas but for the most part yeah everything's just kind of like trial and error trying new areas um but uh this particular unit that we've been in so like the way colorado split up into a ton of different um hunting areas so some of them you need like different tags to hunt um this particular one is uh just like i said a general unit so pretty much anybody can go there if you buy the tag and uh that's i think what kind of makes it cool like there's a lot of guys that maybe don't have the gear like or not this is their first trip out and they can go do the same type of thing which i think is cool so you meet all you know people from different calibers of knowledge and stuff on the mountain which uh sometimes (laughs) sometimes is good sometimes is bad depending on you know how close you're hunting (laughs) together or whatever um but yeah, so pretty much elk hunt. We got out there two days before the season. It started last Saturday. So we got out there on Thursday and uh, spent a couple days scouting. And I sent you guys a couple texts that you can kind of look at while, while I'm doing this. But uh, yeah, let me know which one you want to talk about, Pink, because for our YouTube viewers, I'm going to try to bring it up on this stream. I think I can. Okay. And I'm going to try to do yeah, my best. I, so let me know which one you want to go into. Well, so they're one, all impressive. So, so they're continue. <laughs> So basically all, all the, all the clips and stuff that I sent you guys are just like, I took through like a spotter, just like a phone scope set up. So I just, mm-hmm. you put your phone right on the spotting scope so you can, you can glass, you can glass and like look at stuff. Um, so we spent a couple of days scouting in this area, the way it kind of sets up is, uh, you got pretty much everything high, like the top of the mountain all the way down into like the timber and everything is all public land. What, what elevation were you at? Uh, pretty much anywhere from like eight five to eleven five is kind of the the range in there. Okay. Um. So I'd say like medium, medium, moderate elevation for yeah. Colorado. You know. Yep. Um. Yeah, and it just depends like what unit you're in. You know, you don't have to be high to like get into them either. But that's just kind of the stuff that we typically go to are kind of these higher elevation, more difficult to access that type of thing, just to try to get away from crowds and stuff. Um, so basically the way it sets up the lower elevation stuff where like these clips are from are kind of the flats. A lot of this is, um, at the base of what's public. So there, a lot of these animals are coming out on like private ranches in the evening or like in the morning to feed and they're dumping out of the timber. So this particular season was crazy. I just think, uh, the way it's set up, there was already some snow early. I think hunting pressure and some of the other seasons pushed the animals down and there was like, 600 plus coming out every day out of the timber down onto these ranches so pretty much any given day you could sit back and you could just watch hundreds and hundreds of out i mean like that one photo i sent you guys there's probably i don't know close to 300 in that picture they're all wadded up you know just and, uh, fields fields <laughs> of elk like and there's tons of the most disgusting too. like giant elk in there Right. And I mean, a lot of these spend like most of their year on the, you know, on what you can hunt and uh, they just get driven out of the back country down to these lower, you know, lower areas where they're just nobody messes with them. So they end up there. And then, you know, throughout the winter, that group grows and grows and grows. And then they start moving down and migrate out of there. But we, you know, I felt like we hit it pretty good. Um, There was definitely more hunters in there than we've seen in the past. I mean, the trailhead, we had a base camp that we put in right at the trailhead, and then we were hunting out of that. And then, um, you know, like anticipating spike camping in further. So 
um, like first day, essentially, we felt like we had a pretty good idea of like what drainages these elk were going up out of the the private up into the the like alpine stuff. So um, we made a play to go basically around, pretty much hike over one mountain, drop in behind all of what's private. This is pretty much the the only access. So it was uh you pretty much go up like about a thousand foot vertical face and then drop over the back and then work your way into all these different drainages and uh it's kind of a cool area i don't know if if you guys have hunted colorado at all but a lot of like aspen parks and dark timber pockets that type of thing um and that so that uh that picture or the clip with those four big bulls in it and Adam, you can probably lay this over this this clip here, um, where they're kind of walking around that side hill. <clears throat> so those were some bulls that we found that were actually on moving up on public uh, the night before the season, and uh, I think at least two of those bulls got shot opening day. There was a, a an area that I think some hunters bumped them up, and they ran right into an area that was a lot of a lot of wheelers got into. And, uh, you know, we heard them light them up pretty good. So there was definitely some bulls coming out on trucks, you know, after that first couple of days. But, um, you know, we, we opted to just do the hike in deal, which there was way less people. A couple outfitters had some, uh, a horse camp back in there that they took some people into. Um, but the guys actually bailed out the night before cause the guy got like elevation sickness. So they just came hiking out like the night before the season opened and uh so we felt pretty good that we kind of had it to ourselves. there was nobody else really back in there and we got down we hunted right behind these ranches we got set up in uh drainage and the the whole herd had split up and we had about a, a hundred or so come up the drainage we were in like opening morning you know there and there was kind of a second asterisk going on so they were still bugling like crazy which was unreal for a second rifle um because that their rut usually is in September. So to have like bugling action and, and, uh, you know, bulls running cows and stuff was pretty mm-hmm. sick. And, uh, they came literally right up the drainage we're sitting in. We're sitting there literally watching these bulls in the scope, right? I'm like, there's a beautiful six by six right there. Nice five. They're coming right up and they get, uh, pretty much to the fence line there and they all just bed down right in the open, like right <laughs> below us. Two, I mean, 200, 200 yards watching these freaking bulls in the scope. And I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. Right. <laughs> and they pretty much laid there like half the day. Like we're, we're just sitting on a little, like tiny little tit on this, you know, ca- Canyon side or whatever, wow. just watching them. And then eventually they, you know, they're just laying there forever. There's cows all over chirp and there's still bugling action and they just kind of move into the timber eventually and, and go go off and we're like man you know so instead of sitting there because like we literally watched the herd drop back down onto the private stuff and uh we just decided that night we were gonna hike back out and just try to like reassess everything because <laughs> we're like we're just gonna be playing this game all week otherwise you know this is ridiculous and it's a nine-day season so you you know you feel like at least at the beginning that you have some time so we bailed out went back to our base camp kind of went back out to where we could glass everything set some scopes up and uh we started glass in a different area because we were just like forget it let's just forget about being down by this private stuff let's try to find them you know (laughs) so we don't even have to worry about it and uh we 
we had found an area that we hadn't we hadn't hunted before, but we could see into it pretty good ways uh, from up on this slope. And we put the scopes up, and we happened to locate a uh, a, a big bull, like a actually big bull, uh, about it was a probably. Big? Well, we're I mean, from what we saw, probably three fifty type bull. Just that's big. A, for those that don't know, a public land bull. <clears throat> If you're looking at like over 270, that's a fucking monster. Yeah, like a three a 300 inch bull, especially in a in a general unit in Colorado, is big. I mean, that's a really really it's good a bull. Huge huge animal. And uh, so this one, you know, in particular, and it's like when you're looking through a scope, sometimes especially at range, it's hard to judge everything about them. But like I said, this one we were looking at it probably close to three and a half miles away. And it was, it was two bulls together. One, you couldn't even see its rack. Like you could tell it was a bull just from the color of it and and the size and everything. But this other one, you could literally see the mass from three and a half miles against its hide when it would turn. Jesus. And they're coming down out of this uh, super high um, timber pocket coming down into like an opening on a, uh, on the side of a basin that basically is the highest basin in this entire area. And uh, we were the only people glassing it. We've like, this is our third season hunting this unit. And I've never even seen anybody hunt up this drainage at all. And uh, so we, we basically decided, okay, well, we got to go. Like, you're not going to glass this up and be like, nah, we're not going to try even. Um, and so we talked to, uh, like, we'd talked about going into this area last year, but we just ended up not having to go in there because we killed in a different spot. But um we pretty much formulated a plan. Where we we're going to try to spike camp in and take stuff for like three days and just try to figure it out. And, uh, so like I said, just me and my dad hunting, we pretty much packed our crap that, that the next morning and, and started hiking in. And we had information that it would probably take like four hours from the trailhead to get to where we wanted to be to camp <laughs> and then, you know, have to go up. And it's like, this stuff is crazy, steep. <laughs> like, crazy. Steep. So, well, what we found out later was it was definitely longer than that. So, um, there was snow before we got there. A lot Wait, of there was, there was what you kind of cut for a second. There was what before you got there? No, snow okay okay it had snowed precipitation uh just a couple inches um so a lot of the a lot of the meadows and stuff had already melted out um but we started hiking up and a lot of the trails were just super super bad like i mean it's like walking on like half-baked brownies you know it's just soup and uh so we get probably two hours into this this send up this thing and uh, we get to an area, so like I'm running like Onyx maps, you know, so I can kind of see like where the trail is and everything. Most of these trails are like, they're not hard to follow. They're like old horse trails or whatever. And we're getting up in there and now we get to this section, you know, it was supposed to be like, I don't know, maybe four miles. And then it was supposed to climb like 1200 feet in that four miles, which isn't terrible. I mean, it's like if you spread it out, but it was not spread out. It was like backloaded to where it was like probably the last month. oh there he goes we knew it was gonna come all right cody fill the dead air fill the dead air here we so go so i know exactly what he's talking about like that 1200 feet is 
absolutely atrocious. Are you yeah. back? You are back. back. Sorry. Go ahead. If you're... No, you're good. Oh, you're you're... Good. Yep. All right. So anyway, it was it basically the last the last mile accounted for almost all of the elevation gain. <laughs> so, but when you get to it on the map, it's a straight line. But when you actually are there, there's it's switchbacking up a cliff face, right? So now instead of just this straight line, we're doing these like 200 yard switchbacks up this like sheer rock face. So we get above that one, right? And I'm like, okay, well that sucked, but that has to be like the shitty part, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> like we're, run, we're running out of real estate here for. The- so if anyone knows like this, this type of switchback that he's, that he's going through is those sheer cliffs that you see on some sort of Instagram picture that they have gradually walked up. Those sheer cliffs, those sheer mountainsides, that's what they're walking up. And it is absolutely insane. It is hard to fathom. And it is so hard to walk up. And and it then is... it's all covered in snow also. Yes. <laughs> I'm glad. So, so anyway, it, it it was very sketchy and everything. And, and so we get to the top of this first one and everything's up, right? You're, you're gassed. You've only been there for two days. Your body still isn't fully adjusted to like your elevation and everything. So I feel like my fucking check engine light is on the entire time. Right? <laughs> like, I'm. I'm, I'm going up this thing and, and it's not going well, but so we get above it and then we get back on a trail section that seemed like not awful, right? Like, okay, we, we can continue up this, but we're losing daylight and we still got to put a camp up, you know? So we keep going. And then essentially where we're trying to go is the right side of this basin. And there's like a sheer like gorge with a river in the bottom next to where we're going. And I'm just like, as long as this trail keeps going right, like we're going to get up into this area. It's steep, but like we'll be up in there. And we go about another 200 yards and the trail just makes a 90 degree left turn. Oh, like 100% away from where we're trying to go. (laughs) And and then you like start getting this feeling like, oh, this is this is going to take a long time. You know, (laughs) like so it cuts left and immediately goes up another one of these giant ass cliff faces. And uh, by the time we got to that, we were pretty gassed and we got just shortly above that and we just found a flat spot and we're like, we got to put the camp up now, like where it's going to be dark. And it was every day we were there, it was like 12 degrees at night. So everything was frozen, like your water is freezing at night and all this shit. So we'd taken uh, our spike setup was like a hot tent. So it's got like a wood stove in there that we can put up and, and actually like try to dry stuff out. So we get up and we set that thing up. And, and you uh, carried that on your back. Yeah, it's like it's like pretty ultra. It's like an ultralight one. Like the stove setup's probably like four or five pounds, and then the tents maybe like one of the like pounds. titanium. What's your stoves. what's your pack weight? Uh, probably probably sixty at this point. All in three days of food, camp, the whole deal. Sixty a piece. Yeah. People, oh, wow. sixty a piece. How many, how many feet of elevation? Uh, it was like 12, 1200, 12 to 1400 all in 60 pounds plus 1200 elevation. And you haven't been in the mountains. 
Yeah, this is this you is day don't, two. You don't yeah. realize how hard that is. Yeah, you're, you're <laughs> you grinding, dude. You're grinding, grinding to get there. Yeah, and I, I mean, like, yeah, it's not. I will like it the pace so, wasn't high. It's, <laughs> it was, it's so hard. It's so hard. Yeah. yeah. So, anyways, we get we get to that place and like we kick out a spot to put the te- like our our tent set up in essentially and we cut a bunch of wood and whatever and tried to get a fire going and uh you know we we get set up for the night or whatever and so it's me and my me and my dad in there and immediately he's like dude there's a there's a leak in my air pad oh my god i'm like what and he's like yeah he tries to blow it up again 20 minutes later it's like laying on the ground flat i'm like shit so to like i think i i gave him like a couple of the coats that i'd brought and stuff so we we're like trying to like lay them out or whatever like that was gonna work or something i don't know so <laughs> we tried to keep a fire going for a while and whatever but we we're like trying to crash in like those little titanium stoves even if you jack them full it's like they only last a couple hours before the they like run out of burn time so eventually we just let it burn out and we we're just going to try to crash. But it was like the worst night of all time. Like it was just br- brutal cold. <laughs> I think it was probably like 12 that night, you know, and everything's wet because you just hike all that time in the snow. Yeah, you're and, sweating. Yeah. And we had like a little we'd put a little line like across the ridge of the tent. It was kind of like it's kind of like a mini wall tent, like a six by nine. Probably is like the yeah. shape of that hot tent. So we had a line there and like hung a bunch of stuff up. Well, I wake up in the morning. And like the pants I had on were just frozen, like a board, like you know. Oh, oh nothing better. Oh. <laughs> oh god. And uh is that how you woke your dad up? You just pulled the pants down and were like, Dad, wake up and just smack him. <laughs> like it I was don't even think he slept at all, dude, to be honest. Really? Yeah. I mean, your dad is met your dad. Your dad can uh <laughs> he can pull an all nighter if he needs to. He almost yeah. did. Well, I don't think he was trying to. And, yeah, I don't think but, he wanted to. So it's like, whatever, we, it was a terrible night of sleeping or whatever. And we just decided, all right, let's just, let's go for it and get, cause we had a pin that we had dropped like on Onyx and we're like, we, this is the meadow we want to get to and everything. So, and of course, like there was no water on the way up cause the river that we thought was up in there is like in the bottom of a fucking like hundred uh, foot, yeah, you know, cut like straight down. Like, yeah. So there's no way you were like, just going to go Grand filter Canyon. some water out of it. So we crap. Then there was like a couple of drainages on the map that looked like they probably had some some water. So we crossed one of those, and we were able to like fill, you know, filter some water out and fill up our hydration and stuff. And uh, so we bust ass for like probably two hours that morning to get up to the area we wanted to. We thought we wanted to get to, just steep, steep, steep everything. And we get up in there right to like the spot we pinned. And, uh, you know, initially you're there and you're kind of hyped because you're like, oh, man, you know, they were coming out. We had like timed it like they're coming out at like, you know, 8 to 830 is when they're going to be out in this meadow. It's going to be sick. Like, <laughs> you know, and there it's not like there was a bunch of elk up in there. It was literally we went in there after these two bulls and uh, immediately we're like sitting up in there. And it's just like this doesn't look right. Like this doesn't seem like what we glassed, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's like instead of like this grass that they had been were coming down and it's like all this sheer exposed rock and all this stuff we're like this is not it like all these cliff bands above us and whatever it just didn't look right and uh you know the whole time we're kind of like yeah well it probably just looks different now that you know we got back in here and all this shit because we looked at it from like three miles out 
And uh, so we spend like that pretty much that morning just trying to like assess like, okay, where are we at? Is it the next one? All this, whatever. And we basically, after a less than ideal discussion, decided that like we had no idea where we were supposed to be because it was like we didn't know if we overshot it, (laughs) undershot it, whatever, but we were not there. And pretty much from the time we left the trailhead to there, there wasn't even a single elk track like in the snow or anything. So it was like, we had to be at this location or it was a bust. So we just decided that we were just going to pack out. We're like, we got, we're just wasting time now. Like if we stay in here, we're just hoping we can figure it out. So we went eventually just like bail out of there and we actually hiked all the way back out (laughs) (laughs) that next day. So we literally spent the night up there and then bailed because we were just like, we're not in, we're not in it. Like we got to, we got to reassess here. So we start bailing out and we get right to the the, bottom. I got to ask Pink, was the walk out substantially better? Well, yeah, it was mostly down. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, Yeah, exactly. Did you slide? Yeah, Yeah. I mean, you know, slide down mud hill, have a little bit of fun. Yeah, I mean, going down the like cliff stuff is still sketchy and like, you know, you know, slick mud. Yeah, your knees are. Honestly, I thought I always thought that going down was worse. Going I think up. it's, I think it's harder on like your joints and stuff for sure, yeah. especially if you haven't been hiking a lot. But like the 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 long burn is definitely on the way up, you know. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So anyway, we're uh, we're started bailing out of there. So it's probably you know midday. We got back to our camp and just kind of just you know chilled for a while, ate some food, and then started bailing out. We make it down all this crazy steep stuff, and we're working our way out. And now it's getting closer to because you know it gets dark pretty early, and we're probably I don't know, probably still like four hours from the trailhead at this point, and uh, so it's getting later in the after you know later in the afternoon whatever, and coming up so coming up the trail, the like the way you know coming in the steep way, like I'm 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 in front he's behind me we're walking and I come around this corner, and there's this dude walking up the trail. And keep in mind, this is already like several hours into this like hike for from the trailhead to where we are. This dude just walking up the trail in just like jeans and like a flannel shirt has nothing with him. And he just comes walking and like totally stone face like this guy. You see, have you guys watched like Shit's Creek? Seen that yeah. show? Okay. Yeah. So the 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 dude, the long black hair guy with the beard. What's his? I don't know. Remember his name? You know what I'm talking about? You look. Like I know him. what you're saying, but okay. This is this is like this is the guy that's coming up this trail. <laughs> okay, and he gets like right in front of us, and he's just like, "Hi." That's it. <laughs> that was the only word he said the whole time, and I was just like, "What's up, man?" You know, and just kind of like walked around him. <laughs> And I was like, I have no idea because it's like didn't have a backpack, didn't have nothing. It's like starting to get dark, all this stuff. And he's going up like where we just came from. There's nothing there. It's nothing. So we just we walked past him. Never saw him again. No idea. And there was no like vehicles at the trailhead or anything either. So we were just like, OK, whatever. Fuck that. But are you so sure we just kept like, are you sure you saw someone? hundred percent, dude. We talked about it for like the next two days. like you saw that right oh yeah yeah and And no uh, hallucinating or anything no i'm telling you right now hunter p okay (laughs) 
so that was like a very weird experience i guess just to like see it's, and it's not like a place where you'd just be like casually going for like a an afternoon stroll i guess i don't know but so we bail out. apparently but we bailed out and uh, we went back to our base camp and uh just like it was a bummer just because we felt like we burned like essentially two days on like getting in there and then coming out and we didn't really even hunt so that's like a little bit frustrating especially when you're you know you only have a nine day season to to get it done and um we we reassessed decided to hunt low again and we and we went in and we pretty much immediately got back into elk um kind of hunting the the mountain above all these ranches again and uh just we're having trouble like locating a bull so we had gotten into some cows and stuff like that and the tag like the tag's only a bull tag so you couldn't shoot like a cow elk or anything um and you know it's still a good area to hunt but we're dealing with a lot more honey pressure so we had like three other groups that had spiked in off the same trailhead we were hunting and you know we were day hunting everything i i don't think it's far enough in that you really need to spike in it's just a lot of guys are camping over this first face you don't have to basically climb a thousand feet in the morning right away um but you know we were kind of from the aspect that it's like i'd rather be sleeping in base camp than up there and now that we were down an air pad too it was like not really feasible to 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 be doing it so um we uh we hunted essentially the next two two days there so that put us at at day five and uh that morning uh we had a bunch of snow come in and that i'd sent you guys a video of that too that was just like an insane snowstorm that rolled in um that was one it was actually on the news because i think it hit denver pretty hard oh maybe i didn't send you that one but uh i didn't see any snow in here i want to see we had we got like a snow day or something uh yeah that was yeah so it was basically complete whiteout i'll send it to you right now you can overlay that but um complete whiteout conditions um you know we got kind of stuck up high that day um when it rolled in and we just kind of kind of rolled with it um we lost pretty much all visibility so it was, you couldn't glass anything you probably only see maybe 50 50 yards or so and uh, crazy wind and everything it, it only built up maybe like six or eight inches of powder but uh it was just brutal conditions to be up there and it was just soaked everything so kind of one of those deals on a hunt like that where you're just trying to like kind of control nope you cut out um but yeah no this snowstorm definitely looks like uh like probably about march 10th in minnesota when you get that last eight inches of the year with 25 mile an hour winds and you're like this is the best place on earth it looks like that except ryan's uh standing in the middle of the mountains i will if i can find this spot in this podcast i will overlay this so you guys can see this it is a lot of snow yeah so it was just dumping we really couldn't like i said you couldn't like really hunt around i mean you couldn't see so it was like we kind of just hunkered while it was going yeah and so what do you just set up a tent in that situation and chill or like the ground's got to be soaked so like what are you you just so, laying next to a tree or what's the plan there yeah we just kicked out a spot next to some spruce trees and just kind of got down in there and hung out i mean i was trying not to get super wet right so i had like you know i, I got the gear for it to try to you know like shed water and everything like a you know, waterproof you know setup jacket and everything oh there he goes again all right will how are you doing over there 
Uh, good. I'm enjoying the the story. I, I wanted to know about it before the podcast started and everybody yelled at me. So I'm tuned in. <laughs> <laughs> the number one sin of podcasting will ask, like we hop on to talk about Pinkala's like trip out to Colorado right? and goes, like, yeah, hey, dude, so was, how was your hunt? In the tail? <laughs> what are you doing? I just, yeah. I was curious, but yeah, it's a good point. Right. I should have. Well, we're, we're getting into we the meat of it right now. So, okay. All right. So I'm sorry that no, I'm sorry. This keeps dogs, cutting out winds everywhere. Pink is sitting under, uh, what did he say? Some sort of tree. 20 feet of visibility, it looks like. We're, we're, yeah, yeah. We're, we're tucked down under some spruces riding out this snowstorm. And, uh, and so essentially it starts to break and we feel like we can keep hunting or whatever. We're already several miles in. And, uh, the drainage that we had gotten on those elk opening day is kind of where we ended up reverting back to figuring okay they're they're gonna start working up they want to get out of that that open stuff at the bottom to try to just get some cover during that snow and uh we get up in there sun comes out we're trying to dry some things out starting to get warmer like that was the warmest day of the trip it was like 45 degrees and uh you know we're sitting at the bottom of this drainage i'm like got my boots off trying to dry them out and stuff and we start working up it and a bull rips a bugle right above us in the drainage, like on public above us. We're between them and the private. We're like, this is money, you know, like they're going to be working right down into us. This is so sick, you know? And uh, then, you know, another one bugles, the cows, you can hear them chirping up there. We're like, Oh God, it's the, you know, it's the wad, you know, they're, they're, yeah. <laughs> they're right here. So our, you know, it's midday and like in the mountains with the the way that the, the wind and thermals and currents work is like when the lower stuff starts to heat up, the wind pushes up. And then in the evening when it's cool, it starts coming back down. So the, uh, the wind was going up pretty strong that, that at that time, cause the sun was out. So we were kind of in the bottom of a, a drainage. So our wind was essentially going straight up it. So we tried to get up the side to try to keep our wind out of that and and just kind of work up into them and it's fairly open so we figured we'd be able to see them pretty quickly because it sounded like they're maybe only two or three hundred yards away and we're working up the side and we get to kind of a spot where we either have to stay out in the open or go further into like a timber line to try to just stay on the right side of the topography from where they were and like we didn't have to get super close i mean this was a rifle hunt you know so getting in with a couple hundred yards was was totally chill but um we're working up there and immediately i look up to the side and i i see a bull standing there at like probably under 100 yards um but all i can see is from like his nose up so i can see his antlers and then his ears and stuff and he's he's already got his pin like he's looking right at us and so like obviously didn't want to make any moves because i don't want to blow up like there was an entire herd there so kind of just like let him walk off. It was like a small rag for like just not a big bull. And uh, he had a couple cows right on him. They worked through this little opening and uh, we kind of just immediately went into like fire drill mode because we felt like we were like in them, you know. So, um, you know, I'm with my dad. So he immediately goes up just drops his pack he starts working up i just go down get on the meadow edge i'm like somebody's gonna bump like either one of us is gonna bump them and they're either gonna go up or down at least someone's gonna get a crack when they come by um you know this this like is less than a mile from two years ago when we were there we actually killed two bulls out of one herd we crawled into them like in a snowstorm exactly like this one and uh 
So we're mm -hmm. thinking, you know, if we get into them again, we're going to smash them. Like this is going to go down just like it did last time. And so he goes up, I stayed low and I waited probably like 15 minutes and I heard a shot and, uh, I'm like sick. We must have a bull down, you know, or whatever. So I just sat tight, hoping that they would drop back down, trying to get back on the private and uh, they didn't come out. So I was like, okay, they must've obviously went up. And so I'm just waiting around figuring like, okay, eventually we're going to have to go like deal with this bull or whatever the deal is. <clears throat> and he comes walking back and it's like no reaction. Like he's just like walking to me and I'm like, <laughs> you know, like, what is this? And uh, he gets down to me he's kind of out of breath or whatever, but apparently essentially how it went down is he gets over the top, gets over the drainage and the elk are strung out up the drainage from us, like right above us. He finds a bowl in there. There were several bowls. He got on a nice five by five, put his bipod out, laid down, like ready to go, you know, his crosshairs on the bowl, the whole deal. And he's just sitting, waiting for it. It's like right behind an Aspen. Just needs to take like one step. He's sitting there like, literally finger on the trigger ready to go and uh and he's just looking through the scope and a shot like it rings out and the bull just goes down but he's like dude i never even pulled the trigger like i don't know what the hell just happened and turns out so during this snowstorm a lot of people bailed out of like where we're hunting so essentially the only other guy that was hunting on that whole mountain was in the same drainage we were in right below us uh -oh. No, on the exact same bowl at the exact no. same time. Oh my god! <laughs> so, uh, so, anyways, yeah. So that was like major bummer, and so we hiked down and we ended up, you know, chatting the guy up, whatever. Is the dude and his wife that were hiking up in there, and obviously they're stoked, right? They just killed a bull, and you know we're like standing there, like sick, like <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're like I was scoped on that one. <laughs> yeah, like literally, like pull, like think about that. Just like oh, pulling no. the trigger, and then a shot, like because the guy is right in front of it. So like you're like pulling the trigger, and then it, sh uh, it like a, a rifle shoots, but it's like not yours, and it just drops, and you're just like, <laughs> wait, what? <laughs> it's crazy because oh, it was like God. literally in this entire like area is the only other dude in there, and we're on the exact same bull at the exact same second, right? Yeah just uh, mind-bending stuff like i don't even know what the odds of that happening are but it's not high so anyways so we kind of decide like we're gonna like we gotta hike out of here now because it was the the group that was in there was about a hundred head and there was like five bulls in it and they obviously all blew out after that shot and uh went into a different drainage and probably back down to the private again so we just worked up to another area there was a one other bull that I got shot opening day off of a meadow um, that we knew of that we figured, oh, we'll just go check it out because we hadn't been in there yet, like on this trip. So we went and sat there that night, but everything was buried in snow. So there's like really no grass in there for them or, or anything. And we froze our ass off and sat up there that night and bailed out after dark. Um, and then pretty much the next two days, uh, we just really weren't in them good which was tough. So we just were like trying to figure out what's our like kind of hail Mary play, you know, and with a trip like that, like, you know, we got to get back here and get back to work. Like I was at work today, you know, I literally got home yesterday from this trip and didn't barely deal with anything and just went to work today. So um, we felt like that last on Friday was kind of our hail Mary play. Like 
if we're going to get one, we got to get it Friday so we can pack it out because it's like we're running out of days here. We can't get one too deep. That's going to take like three days to pack out. So we kind of drew a line in the sand like this is the furthest drainage we're willing to go, you know, and uh-huh. uh, and we weren't psyched about it because we we're pretty ground down and, and whatever. You're just kind of out of energy. You're trying to keep your head in the game, the whole deal. Cause that's like the tough thing about some of these hunts is you can get one on the first day or you can get one on the last day. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's all the same, but if your head's not in the game, if you kind of check out and you're like, ah, it's not going to happen. Like it's not, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So. yeah, no, for sure. So, uh, that last on Friday, we sent like, we could hunt Saturday too, but we're like, if we get one Saturday, it's gotta be pretty damn close. So we can pack it out in like, you know, half a day or something. Um, which like an elk is good amount. I mean, we debone all the meat when we get them. So it ends up being about 200, probably 225, 250, depending on the size of the animal, like, the, you know, amount of meat you're packing. So it's probably for two guys, probably realistically three trips to get it out of wherever you got it in. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we, we pretty much went into our, our, like our limit as far as where we were willing to go. Um, on Friday morning, we hiked in there and the, in the snow again, all our shit was frozen. We're like, fuck, like, you know, not psyched about it. On the <laughs> and, you know, you're like on the way in, you're like, yeah, yeah, okay, whatever. Let's just get in there. But then pretty much every drainage we cross, we're hitting fresh tracks in the snow coming up, coming into like the area we can hunt. We're like, this could go down. Like, you know, this is getting real. And uh, then we get into an area where it looked like about 50 of them that came up right into the timber that we were hunting in. We're like, okay, well, if it doesn't, if we don't get into them, once we get to this, you know, this other drainage, we'll back out to here and we'll just sit for like the evening kind of thing. And hopefully they come back down through and we're going to toast them right here. Well, we get back to the the line we drew essentially and say, we're not going further than this. We get to that. The whole thing's tracked out in the snow. It took us like 10 minutes and we found a herd like we could see them through the Aspens. And uh, immediately they were like, game on, you know. And we start working down into them. And when you're in these big, like, aspen parks like that, it's pretty flat in there. And there's so many tree trunks that it's like you can actually move pretty good, like, through there because they can't see you. It's kind of like, mm-hmm. I don't know, like an optical illusion or whatever. But you can you can move a lot even on, like, animals in the open. Yep. So we're moving in on them. We get to maybe, like, 150 yards. And we can see there's at least, like, 10 or so in this group. We're just trying to find a bull. And, uh, you know, we're just picking our way through and the trail, the main like trail to get into this area is above us, maybe 200 yards. And as we're moving in on this herd there, the, the outfitter that had a, uh, a camp back there, that the guys had bailed out of, they had brought their pack string in to go pull the camp out. So they come on the trail with like four horses all strung together, coming right down the trail, right above us, right into this herd. And we're like, you got to be kidding me. Like, we finally get on this herd on the public side. And then here comes, like, the outfitter with a bunch of horses right into the middle of the whole mix. And <laughs> it was just like, it felt like defeating, right? And we're, we're trying to go get below them, like, elevation-wise as we're moving in on this herd. And uh, we just start running. We're like, we just got to get below them because if they blow up from these horses coming by, they're going to run right down this, this Aspen Park and we're at least try to get in position to get a shot. And uh, so we just start like running down there. So we run like 200 yards 
<clears throat> and like nothing happens. Like nobody, uh, no, you know, the, the outfit keeps going. The elk don't move. I'm like, how is this even possible? And so we're looking and somehow the trail must like peel away just enough that they weren't visible to them. So like the, <laughs> it was just like a weird circumstance. So there's a whole herd of elk. The trail is just kind of like hooking just slightly away. So that outfitter just keeps going on the trail, loops away from them. The elk didn't even see them. I have no idea how they weren't winded or whatever, but they never moved. So we get up. There's a small barbed wire fence we're trying to cross now. We're within 100 yards of this whole herd now. They're just over a little, like, rise from us. So we're, like, closing the distance, and uh, we get right to this fence. And we're trying to figure out how we cross it without making any sound or, like, anything to try to get over it. And it's, like, deep snow, too, so you couldn't, like, crawl underneath of, like, the bottom wire. So we're like, oh. Well, and like my dad, my dad's quite a bit taller than I am as well. So, you know, he just goes right over it. I'm like, all right. So like, oh. <laughs> You're like, oh, so I, I hand him. <laughs> I know the feeling. So I hand him my rifle, right? And like, this is like high tension moment, right? <laughs> like, holy shit, this is going down. And, and I'm like going over the thing. And I'm getting ball hung on this fucking barbed wire fence, dude. Not, <laughs> literally, like within a hundred yards of this entire herd, I was like right there, and like I'm fucking, I'm on her good, dude. And uh, <laughs> and so you know, like everything you're doing, because you're trying to be so quiet, right? And the snow is crunching, all this stuff. And like, you know, you step on a stick and you feel like you might as well just like thrown a grenade into the timber in front of you. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm trying to like get this. Oh, there oh, goes Pink's just, audio. Just lost you for a second. So yeah, right in the media. So Pink is currently hanging from a barbed wire fence from what I can tell and is stuck. And yeah, uh, yeah. now we are waiting for his audio to get back. Will, have you ever gotten stuck on a barbed wire fence? Will you? Yeah, I can relate. I'm not the world's tallest guy, so like, <laughs> dude, even my brother, he's like just a couple inches taller than me. But like, there's been a lot of times where he'll just like so gracefully go over a fence, and I'll be like putting all my weight on it. And Ryan, you yeah. know what I'm talking about, like just trying to like barely get my crotch over it and it sucks especially yeah. in a situation like that where it's it's high tension high pressure like well, right yeah exactly yeah. so um whatever you've been there it's like you're you're yeah. like pushing down these the wires pretty tight so it's like everything every time we push it on it's creaking on the fucking 50 year old wood post it's connected to it's like <laughs> and you're like come on man <laughs> and so finally whatever i get it off and i just Oh, there he goes again. Right at the climax. Dude. I know. He's really good at the tease. Really good at the tease. So close. Yeah, he'll be We're back in like 10 I know. He's going to be back here. in a second. Oh, look who's also back. He got up and took a little bit of a walk. Cody Honor, he's he's back. A little doing? bit of peace I don't know why this keeps cutting out, especially like right now. It just keeps doing it. Okay, but we're back, so let's. Okay, okay. so yeah, let's recap. Stop so. So yeah, not hung on the barbed wire fence mm -hmm. under a hundred from this herd we're moving in on and eventually get over it, you know, flip myself over the thing, whatever. So now we're both on the correct side of this goddamn fence and uh, we start working up this little ridge right to them. And uh, we, we're kind of still working through those Aspens. And next thing you know, it's like, oh shit, there's a cow right here, 60 yards. Here's another cow, 60 yards. They're just like filtering through right in front of us, this whole thing. I was like, they're in bow range right now. And uh, 
So there's probably, I don't know, 15 to 20 kind of in front of us moving through this thing. And we're literally slipping right in on them. The wind is perfect. We're just getting closer and closer. And every time they kind of move up, we're kind of doing the same thing. So we're pretty much shadowing this herd between 50 and 60 yards. And uh, they start moving into the, like the dark timber, which we didn't think was great just because we weren't going to be able to see very well, but we're like, we got to stay with them because we hadn't confirmed whether there was a bull in this group or not. And uh, so eventually the last like cow and calf move into that timber pocket and we just get right behind them because the tracks are super easy to follow in the snow. So we just got on like the highest set of tracks going into the timber and stayed with them. And now we're like, like I said, we'd kind of picked like, here's the furthest we're willing to go to like pack one out. And now we're, we're following them to the next drainage beyond it. You know, <laughs> like, like, well, well, what are you going to do? Just bail? Like, yeah. Yeah. So, um, we stick, we stick with them. We're working through this timber and then eventually we get to where we're probably under 50 yards on like the back end of the herd. And they have like no idea we're there. We're just slipping in. It's crazy how like you can get away with some movement and stuff if they don't have your wind. Like we're literally in the middle of this entire herd of elk and, uh, they like don't even care you know even one would pick us off and it would just kind of trot away and then the other ones wouldn't even do anything <laughs> and uh so it's we're, like, we're oh, just, trying it literally it was crazy it just, <laughs> like it felt like everything we're doing like this is real right oh yeah okay and uh so we make it to the other end like i'm looking on the map okay it's only 200 yards to the next like aspen uh area and so we follow them all the way to that and eventually they kind of break into the open and it takes us a little longer because it's all like if you've ever been in this type of timber, it's all just blowdowns and just nasty, nasty stuff. So you're constantly climbing over and under stuff. There's a lot of like stuff that has a ton of branches you're trying to bust through and you're trying to be quiet, obviously. And we make it to that outer like edge of timber. And we're trying to refine them in this aspen because it actually it goes up in front of us pretty steep. And uh, it's like, man, I don't know where they went. You know, there's a ton of them here. We never heard them blow out. And we're just looking around, looking around. And I glass kind of up the, the face of this thing. And they're all just strung out across the whole thing, like probably 100 yards. It's like, oh, God, all we got to do is find a bull here. And this is done. Like, they're just standing here. They have no idea. And we, like I said, we stayed with them from that one range all the way to there. There ended up being like close to 30 elk in that group. And we tried for probably an honest two hours and we just could not find a bowl in there. And it was like so frustrating. It's like you felt like, you know, when you're like even in sports, right? It's like you feel like that whole trip. It's like you're you're have, you're doing everything right. You're you're in the game, but your team's still losing. It's like I'm at, mm-hmm. I feel like I'm I'm having an awesome game here. And like it's yeah. just not like <laughs> playing, I don't know MVP, going yeah. playing MVP level right now, and yeah. uh, we're still losing. I can't, right, and I mean, you know, we came out of the gate break. swinging with some big dick moves too, trying to go after some of these high country bulls that we were spotting and everything, and just nothing was clicking. And I, you know, it felt like it was slipping away. And now we're we're down to like basically the last day and a half, and, and you know, we get in on this herd that should have been money, and it's like. You know, we're glassing, we're glassing herds of 150 elk every night and there's 50, 60 bulls down there. And then you get into this herd of 30 cows and you're like, what the fuck is going on here? You know? <laughs> and uh, so we just eventually just decided, you know, we got to bail off them because they're like, he, there's not a bull in here. Like we got to go. And we still had kind of our plan B set up, you know, that we were going to get, get set up in this area where we had seen all the, the tracks go up in the morning. 
So we bail off, we hike our way out to that. And it's probably at this point, maybe three hours until like legal shooting lights done. So we get in there, we get a spot set up, we kick out a little spot to sit. And it's a real steep wall that we're sitting on. So we kind of got like a, a downfall tree and we kind of just like put our packs against it to kind of like post up. And we're just going to sit up there and if they came out, they'd be about a hundred yards below us and like the wind would be good. And hopefully we'd be able to see enough to, you know, at least get a shot off. And uh, the temp starts falling off and we're like, all right, well, we're just going to stick it out no matter what. Right. And uh, it's getting down. Now we got about two hours left. Like nothing's moving. We haven't heard anything yet. And uh, <laughs> next thing I know, like we're sitting up there and he's like, dude i'm getting like super cold out i'm like what are you we're wearing like down stuff like i don't know how this is even possible so we're about two hours out from the from the end of the deal and the entire time he's sitting on the mouthpiece for his hydration bladder and it's just pissing the water out all over like where we're sitting so he's getting soaked so now the temp's falling out it's probably like 15 degrees everything he's got on is wet I'm like, fuck, we like how we gotta, we gotta <laughs> stick this out, man. And uh, and it just wasn't like it wasn't feasible, like you know, we're it's gonna start freezing here and the whole thing. And he's like, dude, if I'm not moving, like I, I'm gonna be in trouble here pretty quick. So we're kind of like trying to weigh the options, like, well, like how bad you're gonna die, like you know, <laughs> 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 and uh and whatever it was just like it just kept getting colder and it was super uncomfortable deal but we ended up bailing off probably like an hour before um of that and we had to just bail off that spot because we still had probably at that point like a several hour hike back to our base camp and it was just kind of one of them deals where you're like you know is it is it worth worth trying to like risk something like that back in there and it just wasn't so um and then yeah so then that was pretty much that we decided we weren't going to try to we weren't going to hike in anywhere saturday so we ended up not punching a tag on this one uh which is unfortunate especially for like how much action we had i would say it's probably one of my favorite trips out there honestly we had a ton of action we got i mean being in that herd for like literally hours was sick like that was probably one of the best elk hunting experiences i've ever had and being able to like shadow a herd for that far far and everything and just watch them do what they do was pretty pretty wicked um you know we saw like literally we watched that bull get killed um you know on like day five which is literally watched that bull frustrating dude (laughs) well it's like you know you're putting in a lot of effort so it's just and you know it's not like if you work hard you're gonna get one it's just kind of how how it is sometimes it's tough and we got dealt some some kind of tough tough conditions i felt like and you know some of the guys we normally hunt with uh they they drew out some tags for muzzleloader season in september and and did pretty well in there so it kind of got us fired up like it was going to be good and and uh yeah i mean i don't know it's one of them deals super fun to be out there those kind of like adventure style hunts are really kind of like my jam um yeah. you know i mean there's still stuff like we got deer season coming up here which is cool and everything but it's not the same game you know it's yeah it's not even close no. to out west no especially chasing you know like bulls and stuff it's really yeah gets my blood fired up i mean i don't know what we're doing um that's that's like my last elk elk hunt like i'm not going on another elk hunt this year or anything but i do got some uh montana tags that uh i'm gonna go after some deer like around thanksgiving out there but um 
yeah, till next year on the elk on the elk game. So we'll see. Uh, got a bunch of points saved up in Colorado right now for both elk and deer. So might might blow one of those next year. I don't think I'm gonna try to do two, but um, yeah, I don't know, man. It's super fun, but yeah, we got to see you know driving out there too, like that road driving back. You know, you go and it's like I don't know. 16 18 hours something like that back to like where i live from where we're hunting and it's kind of you know it's cool driving at night I mean, we just like rip it off in one go and kind of trade off driving but you know you can see a lot of elk racks on the back of trucks coming back and it's like pretty much all semi trucks and people with coolers on the back of their truck driving is all it is yeah. so it's kind of a cool deal i mean you kind of get the same thing when you're probably driving you know to these like tournaments and stuff it's just all bass rigs and semis <laughs> yeah yeah no yeah, yeah for the most part yeah but so no, that's, that's pretty much how it went down man uh that is exactly that how we, it went we down. smashed some bulls but just didn't didn't pan out that way yeah no that's sick i mean pink is uh i mean there's a reason pink is on this podcast and he's like the number one storyteller of any hunt he's ever gone on so it's like you've been there it's very cool and he's very talented with it so no man that's awesome well wish you would have punched a tag but whatever yeah, well, happens you got another trip coming up soon yeah we got plenty of opportunities to get back in the meet here this year so and yeah uh, and so all the stuff especially with some of these other trips i'm doing including this one um that i was on a bunch of these are going to end up on that meat season um show that i'm i'm trying to get off the ground this year yeah so over on your youtube channel yeah, so hopefully that stuff's going to start coming out here uh, towards the end of November and then kind of roll through the winter too. So I got a bunch of haunts already filmed for that, and it's going to be like a hunting and cooking kind of thing put together. So all these stores will be there with a lot more of the footage. I do have just an insane amount of footage from this trip, especially elk footage doing what they do, which is super cool to watch, um, especially if you haven't been out there and got to experience it. Um, so, yeah, anyway, if you want to check that out, that's where that'll be. And uh, it'll be probably November through, I'm hoping January, probably, but we'll see. Yeah, no, sick. Well, all righty. Yeah, that is, uh, that is Ryan's trip out to Colorado. But anyways, this one ran a little long compared to what most of our shows will be. Still no biggie because it's under two hours. That's kind of what our goal will be for all of them, keeping around one to one and a half. But someone goes on a cool trip out west, it's obviously going to run a little long. So thank you, Ryan, for diving into all this. But I think I can speak for all of us when I'll say we're going to kind of tune out for this one. We'll be back next week. And by this time, I would imagine all this stuff will be out. So if you're listening to us now, um, please rate and subscribe, share with your friends. And uh, our goal is to be having these podcasts coming out weekly. The hope is uh, around Wednesdays. So we're going to do our best to keep up on it. It'll be us four, maybe have a few surprise guests popping in every once in a while. But yeah, anybody got anything else they want to say? Otherwise, I believe next week it will be me, Honor, and Pink because uh, Sir William the Fourth is heading into the woods, correct? Uh, Yeah, yeah. I don't. It'll just depend if I shoot a deer or not. So I guess we'll see. Well, hopefully so. we see you then. Yeah, yeah, so hopefully be good. If, <laughs> I'd like. Yeah, to so done. hopefully we see uh, yeah. Sir William the Fourth yeah. next one. Otherwise, uh, it will probably be another show of me, Cody, and Pinkala. We'll be doing a segment probably of notes from your phone and maybe a little bit of a weigh in action. We might have will miss out on that, but we might tune in to a little something. We'll see what happens. But we'll have another show coming up. Thank you everybody for listening. We appreciate you, and uh, we'll see you next time. 